Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart podcast, where healthcare meets business, with your host, me, Dr. Karen Litzy. And just as a reminder, the information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and is not to be used as personalized medical advice. Enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Karen Litzy, the owner of Karen Litzy Physical Therapy, located in the heart of New York City, and also the founder of the Strictly Business Blueprint. So if you're a physical therapist out there and you are thinking that you want to start your own cash-based business or you have a business, want to transition to cash-based or just up-level what you have, then send me an email, karen at karenlitzy.com, and let's chat. All right, on to today's episode. I have, as my guest, Dr. Crystal Frazzi. She's a physical therapist and an executive life coach and leadership mentor to professional women. She's the creator of the revolutionary somatic attunement method and attuned leadership and the soon-to-be-published author of her first book, Revive, The Working Women's Unexpected Guide to Recovering from Burnout. She's gone from healthcare leadership to entrepreneurship to teach women how to build the career and life of their dreams without sacrificing sustainability or satisfaction using what she calls body wisdom. And we talk about all of that in the podcast today. We also talk about, as you read in her book title, burnout, how to avoid it, how to deal with it, if you are in the midst of burnout, how to recognize it. And we also talk about her transition from physical therapist to coach and uh, closing the gender gap. So listen, if you are teetering on the edge of burnout, which we all may have been at one point or another, I know myself included, I talk a little bit about what I've been going through lately in this podcast with Dr. Crystal. Um, So if you're experiencing burnout, reach out to Crystal, reach out to a friend, say it out loud, discuss it, because that's a first step. You got to recognize it to move on from it. So a big thanks to uh, Dr. Crystal Frazzi for being a great guest on today's podcast. And don't forget, if you listen towards the end, Crystal has a free gift for everyone. You can find it in the show notes on whatever podcast platform you're listening in, but she has a free gift, how to run your day. It's an audio free gift. So be sure to listen to the end and Crystal will tell you how to grab that. All right. Thanks everyone for tuning in today. Have a great day and enjoy today's episode. Hey, Crystal, welcome to the podcast. I'm happy to have you on to talk about burnout, closing the gender gap. And just as an FYI, I was like teetering on the edge of burnout like last week. So this is Hmm. gem of a timing here. So thank you for coming (laughs) on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to share this with you and with all the listeners. Yeah. And I know a lot of listeners are physical therapists. You are a physical therapist by trade and training. Um, And before we get into things, would you mind telling the listeners just a little bit more about how you made that transition from full-time physical therapy to maybe part-time to maybe Mm -hmm. full-time again to now more full-time coaching? Because I think a lot of people are interested in that. Yes. So I became a physical therapist after being already in um, the wellness field. So I was already a yoga teacher and very interested in alternative healing, like um, getting trained in mindfulness-based stress relief and various stuff like that. And so then I thought PT was the next logical step. 
get my doctorate, have my own practice. So while I was in PT school, that was my intention the whole time. Um, however, I my first job was in leadership. I was a director of rehab in a chronic pain facility um, in Dallas, um, enjoyed that, but decided to leave the Dallas area, moved to a new area that was a little more rural and had less um, sort of urban opportunities. And that's when I thought, oh, this is the chance for me to have a wellness center. Let me try to, you know, bring everything together. So I had a job as an orthopedic physical therapist, but I also had like brick and mortar practice um, where I was acting as a yoga therapist, a wellness coach. I had already completed certifications in health coaching with an interest in women's health and did that for a while until it gets ridiculous. I live in Michigan and, you know, I'm getting up at 530 to go shovel the snow to see a couple clients, then to change clothes, to go see patients, to come back at lunch, to teach a class, to go back to the clinic. I mean, it really got kind of hairy for a little while. And then I had children and that really just pulled everything into perspective here. Like, what am I doing? How do I want to spend my time? It's so precious to be away the money I was spending on daycare. You know, what do I want to do? And I just slowly over a number of years decreased my hours and you just moved more into my own practice. And I had a practice full-time. I left um, clinical work. It was called Mindful Pain Relief. And I was focused on helping women with chronic pain conditions. And it was it was a lovely experience. But I found that women, even though I was saying, I'm a specialist from all of these directions, I can help you with your pain. This is what I need you to do. They weren't able to give the time and the energy and invest it in themselves. And, and I certainly helped people and they had great results, but then there were people who weren't moving forward. And even with my coaching skills, I just had this, this feeling that it was something deeper. And that was sort of the wake up call when I shifted from really like the PT and the wellness hat, right. Of all of that experience and shifted into more of um, a professional woman, the, you know, the executive type of personality and really going, what is it that stops women from doing what they need to take care of themselves and prioritizing that? So that's 2018. Um, so I'm focused on that full-time now growing that as my coaching practice. And then unexpectedly, I was the sole provider for the family. So I full-time had my own like consultancy, my own agency coaching, and also went back into healthcare and full-time in healthcare with two children under five. And, you know, this is just like before COVID. Right. So it was a pretty intense little road. And through that, I experienced my own burnout. How could you not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I had a methodology that I had been using through all of the years that I had been forming and crafting. And when I was recovering from my own burnout, I really got to put that to a test. And that really lit my passion and you know, lit the clarity of, I have all the tools in my tool bag. I don't need any more credentials. I don't need any more letters. I don't need any more things. I see the root cause of the reason why the women I was working with before weren't able to you know, get the results that I wanted them to get, even though I was handing it to them on a silver platter, because mm -hmm. I also had the same troubles allowing it to myself, you know, and right. it was that real personal example 
Um, I literally sat up in bed one night and was like, it's the good woman rebellion. Like all the things that I've been taught about being a good woman and even a good clinician, it's all related are the reason why I'm in burnout right now. And um, that led me to quit healthcare again and focus again on my own practice. So, you know, I've always thought it's been really non-linear, like how I get to this place. But now well, when I- Is, is anything back, any is anything ever linear in life? Right, right. It all makes sense. And yeah. I feel like it's all primed me so well, the personal life experience and just all the challenges. Yeah, that's a lot to go through in a short number of years. It's not like we're talking two or three decades here. That was like right. yeah. less than 10 years, right. you know? So right. so that's a lot. And then it it kind of reminds me of something that you talk a lot about, and that's sustainability. So how do you sustain yourself through all of those times? So I think it's interesting to speak about sustainability in the lens of burnout. So how do those two intertwine? Yeah. So I think we have to go back. We have to go all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> I'm from the South. I'm from like rural Alabama and Georgia. Okay. Um, and then I've moved all over, but you know, my upbringing is in a really traditional um, gendered sort of uh, roles that I was brought up with. And for me, that looks a certain way. And for you, that looks a different way because of your community culture and your family of origin. But as women, as anyone identifying as a female, we've all been exposed to what I've called the perfection paradox. And that's that there's so many double binds and there's so many sort of like formulaic expectations of you'll be, you know, pretty polite, um, kind, nurturing, selfless attentive, you know, because I'm from the South, we'll throw in like obedient and selfless. But, um, you know, I feel like that shaping of our identity shows up. And especially those of us who decide to be healthcare providers, caregivers, we're more empathic. We are more primed to be sacrificing our own needs and not listening to our body to like prioritize prioritize somebody else and something greater than ourselves. So yeah. And then in your own workplaces, I feel like as you're developing as a young professional, the places that I worked, you know, the leadership of those organizations modeled that. And I wasn't seeing anyone really have good, show good capacity and good sustainability and good boundaries and good work-life integration in a way that I wanted to model. I saw the opposite. And so, yeah, I mean, I think when we, we want to work towards sustainability first, we have to go back and like surface why it's hard because for women, what I've experienced is so many of them are like, what's wrong with me? Like Karen can have a practice and a podcast and do all the things. So why can't I? Right. And the truth is there's nothing wrong with any of us. Like we're set up to try to do all the things. And then when we try to do all the things and it actually costs us personally of our health and our quality of life, then we feel shamed and like we're doing something wrong. So it's such a paradox. So that's right. a big, one, you yeah. know, and, and also when you're in that situation, you don't want to admit it. Oh no. I'm overwhelmed, Absolutely. especially women, right? We have to be strong and we have to show that we can do all the things but I, I think the first step 
out of burnout is to admit I need, I can't do this. Oh yeah. I for, can't do for it. Sure. Have your, right. have a breakdown if necessary. Right. I can't do this and, and right. I need help. And that can right. be with a trusted friend. It could be with a trusted group. Um, right. If you're with a, like I'm in an entrepreneurial group of all right. women, of course, we yes. opened it up to the full group, but only the women said yes. <laughs> yes. Um, and everybody was going around and and kind of talking about like, let's give a number to our personal life and a number to our professional life and to kind of gauge where we're at and then talk about what's going on and then what you need help for. And I was like, I, I need help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, I can't, right. like, I feel like I'm a two and a two in personal and a five in professional right? on a scale of one right. to 10. Like I, and I even said, I'm like, I feel like I'm walking a razor's edge on burnout <laughs> and just like I had a breakdown, um, mm-hmm. but it with a trusted group of people. And yes. even just since admitting that it's like, I actually feel better. And, you know, I can find the time right. to go to the gym or I can find five minutes here instead of just thinking right. I, I have to do this, right. this, this, and this, and, and realizing, and we'll get to this, but you have to say no to things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And unfortunately where you're at is on the edge. You're on the brink of something you don't want. And Mm -hmm. we've been told our whole lives, like this generation, I'm in my forties, you know, I can be anything I want to be. I can do anything I want to do, except I've never seen another woman do that. My role models weren't doing that. Mm -hmm. They weren't trying to do what I'm doing. They weren't working full-time, raising high-demand children, you know, um, still trying to do all of the things, it just looked really different. And I don't have any family support, like they're across the country, you know? And so it really is interesting that, I mean, all the women I've worked with, of course, like they wait until something is imminent. There is a health crisis. They're in the emergency mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's been a relationship challenge or their job is on the line. Their performance is tanked and now there's a consequence. So right. I hope that like, as we learn more about this, we can, you know, spread the word and at least the next generation, you know, they realize it earlier. Right. And so I think, you know, that recognizing how that, like, what is the driver, right? Instead of moving away from pain, the painkiller of, I don't want, I don't want to be in burnout. Like I feel Mm -hmm. crappy and, you know, I'm not happy. Like, whoa, why don't we respond way sooner? And hopefully throughout the conversation, people will get like little tidbits of how they can do that. If we, if we talk about like sustainability, we really try to get really like practical with what is that anyways, Mm -hmm. what even mean, you know? Um, I have a little, you know, formula that I use and it's called the capacity cascade. Okay. And basically when we try to understand what capacity is, I try to make it as simple as possible. Like capacity, we think of as volume. It's how much you can produce. It's how much you can do. Mm -hmm. But really, you know, for us right now, let's say capacity is performance. It's your performance. And, you know, I want to be a high performer. I want to be able to do all the things really well. And I'm sure our listeners are too. That's why they're listening to learn and grow to your show. But, you know, capacity, if we're not really working on management of stress and responding to stress in our lives, then performance decreases. 
And that's, you know, acute stress is great. It helps us think on our feet, navigate in traffic and show up as our best. Mm -hmm. in the moment. But chronic stress, obviously, we all know as healthcare providers has like a, a cumulative negative effect and performance declines, right? And so the first thing is to really understand not how to spend an hour to go to yoga class, but how to take 30 seconds to do something that quote unquote, like closes the stress cycle, you know, where you're actually processing stress chemicals out of your body, not once things get really intense, but all the time, because you know that your life is highly demanding already, mm -hmm. right? We're not waiting for signs of a headache or whatever happens for you, you know, listeners like with high levels of intense ongoing stress, but but you just know it's there. And so every day throughout the day, many times you're doing something and you've heard of things like shaking your hands and bouncing up and down if you're standing or humming or right. All the things that might help regulate the nervous system, which, you know, we can dive in if that's interesting, but, you know, I really think we have to just shift our mindset from responding when the alarm alarms are going off to, making it a part of our life so that we don't even hit that point. Right. So learning yeah. to be proactive versus reactive. Mm -hmm. Right. And so That's what other, what other hints do you have as little like proactive capacity snacks we can take throughout the day versus saying, well, I don't have 20 minutes. I don't have an hour. Like you said, I don't have an hour. How am I supposed Nobody to do that? Nobody has an hour. <laughs> right? So I've had an hour in a long time. <laughs> yeah. So what little things, what advice do you have for the listeners? Little kind of things right. they can do throughout the day to, to help turn the volume down a little bit on the stress and the nervous system. Mm -hmm. Well, it really is all about the nervous system. I mean, I think like a, a really, you know, good resource would be Deb Dana's book, which is anchored and it's about befriending your nervous system using polyvagal theory. And really that's just saying, you know, the polyvagal or the vagus nerve is the nerve that, you know, it's like the gas and the brakes of your nervous system and mm -hmm. your you know, responding to it in the moment, but, you know, simple things that have been, you know, well researched and shown to make a difference would be like that shaking, humming, screaming in a pillow or in your car, um, something called havening, which I know you all can't see me, but I'm slowly rubbing. Well, my it, it'll, together. it'll be on YouTube. So people okay. can, people can go over to YouTube and watch it. Yes. 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 Yeah, so, you know, just a simple touch and it doesn't have to be weird. Like I can be in a meeting and nobody has to know that I'm doing anything mm -hmm. with my hands. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that's very grounding. And really what you're thinking of is cueing to your system that you are safe because when we're in ongoing continuous stress, it's our internal system is saying, I'm not safe. And mm -hmm. you're pumping out the cortisol and the adrenaline and it's, you know, it's, it's taking a toll. So, I mean, those are some kind of practical things. And when you have like, so there's a curve, a bell curve where you have um, stress on the bottom axis and performance mm -hmm. on the vertical axis, right? And mm -hmm. that's the bell curve and acute stress is in the middle and, and you can manage your stress level so that it stays there. And if stress continues, performance goes down, right? Mm -hmm. If stress increases. And I realized my mirror or my video is mirrored. So it would look opposite. I think people <laughs> get the picture. Yeah. They get the picture. Um, and, you know, so using these techniques is just basically to keep you in the middle of the bell curve. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you can do that, then you show up 
and you're able to do what you set out to do, right? You show up and you have a regulated nervous system and you're able to co-regulate with your patients. You're right. regular, you can influence your coworkers. You're showing up and you're actually shifting the dynamic of the entire space, right? Like my clients would be like, oh, I've reached all my goals and we're coming to an end, but what am I going to do without my dose of you? Right. And that's the power that we can have. Mm -hmm. That's what influence is. And from there, then we started to get recognized. Like people actually notice the work we're doing and the effect we're having. And they're not sure exactly what it is necessarily, but it increases um, validation, mm -hmm. right? Um, more invitations to sit at the table. And then you have more confidence because of that. And because you're getting this reinforcement and this positive feedback, now you're more satisfied. And when, especially women are more satisfied with the amount of effort we're putting in and we're getting validated back, now we're mm -hmm. sustainable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. we have yeah. to have that. And I mentioned this earlier in the in our conversation, but how about saying no? So I know I tend to say yes to things. I'm like, yeah, I can probably do that. Yeah, I can do that. And I think that's part of what was my my sort of higher levels of stress over the last couple of weeks. Um, but how how do we say no without mm -hmm. feeling guilty? Right. Or without then having FOMO. Right. Right. Yeah. So how do we do that? What's what are some good ways to do that? Well, I have maybe a long way to answer that because there's a big section there that if I just answered that, we would be missing. And that is something I call body wisdom. Mm -hmm. And that is like um, certain emotions have like a signature in your body, which is maybe different than how I experience it. But let's take the feeling of anger, right? When I'm angry, I feel it in my jaw, in my throat, in my chest, mm -hmm. I get tense. Mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I have, a, it's a certain, it's the same thing. It's repeatable every time. Mm -hmm. When I feel joy, it's more of a, like a lightning and a smile on my face, et cetera. Right. And your no actually has a feeling in your body that you can get to know, right? You're like, you know, I'm drinking water. Do I want bubbly water or still water? I'm going to have still water. Is your body saying yes or no? Right. You can just start to do very simple things. The phone is ringing. Do I want to answer it? Yes or no, right? Mm -hmm. So to understand when you actually have a no that's embodied is important because we live in our heads and we're not listening to our bodies at all, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is largely how we get ourselves into situations of burnout, right? Because our mind is going to say, you can do that. Say yes. Keep right. going. You're fine. Like, you know, it's going to minimize anything else. And of course, you have a vision in your mind of what you should be able to do. And you have the ingrained unconscious programming of the perfection paradox. So, I mean, I think that's really important just to highlight for people to listen to their own body and to stop and say, what does my body have to say about this? Like the body keeps score, you know? Right, <laughs> right, right. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. from there, you know, if I have so many people who would say like, you know, I, 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 somebody asked me if we could add a meeting and I said, no, it doesn't work for my schedule. I've got obligations and they pushed and pushed and pushed. And then it turned into, but you're the only one, but we really need your input. 
you know, um, and then they ended up saying yes. And then immediately they just felt it all right. Right. The regret, the remorse, they felt sick. They were pissed at themselves. They knew they had violated their own boundary. Their body was telling them long before that, but they didn't respond. And, you know, that's one of the things I learned early on in, um, mindful pain relief, right. Is the overgiving, the overworking. Mm-hmm. And it's so prevalent in the industry of physical therapy and, and yeah. med- like medicine in general, it's like, don't take a lunch, <laughs> you know, chart on your own oh, time. Oh unpaid, yes. Right. Oh yes. And oh yes. It's just a recipe for tune out what your body says, because we don't care. Right. And we have to sort right. of somehow balance that and find ways to repair the impact of that to our systems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? So those are sort of, I always go back to like, what's really at play here. And then if we're still talking about like, how do you say no, you know, it's, you recognize you, you pause before making a decision, you bring your body into the decision-making process. And then if your body says, no, that's all you need, mm-hmm. right? Like that's the most powerful affirmation that you need versus what are they going to think of me? Like all of the external expectations that we evaluate, will they be disappointed? Will this, you know, all of that over analysis is so much energy, you know, capacity is energy, um, attention and time. It's all we have. So precious, right? you know? So when you think listeners, you want to say no, really that's all it is. I think the most important thing is to start practicing in really low, low, um, intense, low threat situations, just saying no without an apology and without a reasoning, like experiment without needing to validate your reason for saying no. Women are notorious for being unworthy of their no, because they're expected to be sex sacrificial and like selfless and giving Mm -hmm. and and just do it anyways. And, you know, it's like, someone's like, you know, would you be able to do this? And you're like, I'm sorry, I'm not available to do that. And then it's just a period and then a pause, right? They can respond. And then you respond to that. And so it's really just starting to change that piece of your identity where you start to practice I am a person that gets to honor my body's no. I'm a person that gets to say no without feeling like I have to defend it. Yeah. That's that's the key where you don't have to defend it. Because isn't it always like, we're always like, oh, I can't because I have to do this and I can't do this and I have to do it. And I remember I took a public speaking class a number of years ago with a woman named Trisha Brooke. And she had the best no. And she was like, I'm going to share the no with you. And she said, she said, it just stops conversation. She rarely has someone challenge it. She would say, oh, thank you so much um, for thinking of me or thank you so much for offering this opportunity. It's just not a good fit for me right now, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. And I've used right. it and people are like, okay. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Like right. I can say no. And right. And I want to also circle back on that concept of boundaries. So what advice do you have for people, especially young clinicians, mm-hmm. you know, whether in the medical field, whether they're physicians, physical therapists, dietitians, occupational therapists, 
for young healthcare workers, how do you go about setting your boundaries, but still, because you feel like, well, I don't want to set my boundaries too tight because I want to advance. You know, I want to get to this position up here, or I want to be a director, or I want to, I don't know, be a physical therapist for the Knicks or for the Yankees or something. You got very New York centric here, Um, Philadelphia Eagles. Um, And so I can't, you know, as a new professional, you might think, well, I can't set my boundaries that tight. Mm-hmm. So I'll just go to right. someone else and I'll be skipped over. So what right. advice do you have on setting boundaries and how can people do that? So if it's okay, I'm going to touch on the concept of attuned leadership. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for listeners, that's just what I call the work that I've created that I do with working professionals. So traditional leadership doesn't address these challenges that women face that we've been talking about. And, you know, it focuses on um, in healthcare leadership, you know, it's focusing on team building and conflict management and, you know, just like more more business acumen and profitability and, you know, these days DEI and stuff like that. But it doesn't address any of the stuff that so far we've been talking about. And, you know, I think that there's something specific for women even though most like we think of nursing, we think of physical therapy. I mean, it's female dominated, right? You've mm-hmm. got more females than males. So it's really interesting that it's still so prevalent. And so we're going to look back there. We're going to point back to the perfection paradox and also acknowledge that you're moving into this profession because you already are vulnerable to overgiving, you know, but there's the likability trap that starts pretty early on, you know, you're thinking of adolescence, high school, wanting to be accepted, right? Then you move into your professional world and you start to realize that powerful, strong women are labeled bossy, bitchy, and Mm -hmm. right. There's this back talk about them. And, you know, the likability trap is similar to like Goldilocks syndrome is another term, right? You, if you're too warm and you're really likable, everybody, uh, you know, is like, oh, you know, she's really great. You know, she's our friend and, you know, we want her to be a part of all of this, but she actually doesn't have what it takes and you're, you're not going to move up. You're not promotable, right? Because when you're too warm, you are more likely to say, oh, I'll do that. And I can do that. And I can do that. And you become indispensable because so much is on your shoulders. Now you're more stressed and the, what you're producing is not as awesome. And your capacity potentially is going to go down, right? And then on the other hand, you worry about being too cold, being seen as too cold. You know, it's all perception. And in that case, you know, you're, you ruffle too many feathers and you're too much and you need to tone it down. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's the other side of it um, is where you're too strong and, and others feel, you know, threatened by that men and women, actually, you know, the studies show that females have a similar response to assertive female leaders as well. Mm-hmm. So our leaders really need ways to navigate that. And so do our new grads and young professionals. All of us need ways, you know, to do that. So I think first, just to acknowledge that that's there, that's why we have, you know, only like 30% of women are in executive positions and only 5% are women of color. And, you know, that's why right now a third of women are considering downshifting or leaving the labor force altogether, mm-hmm. right? It's like this critical time where 
I don't know. I feel like it's so powerful, especially for new professionals to realize the situation they're in and to know that the way to move up, if this organization is worthy of their time, energy, and attention over the course of these years, they're about to dedicate that it is by listening to their own bodies and, and really valuing that as the most superior wisdom there is more than an expectation that's external to them, because believe it or not, and I've been in an organization for 10 years and then later on went, Hmm, why'd I do that? You can move laterally and you can move vertically, right? What you really want to do is decide what is your zone of genius? What is it you do that you show up and it's awesome. And how can you stay in that lane and do that thing and then be consistent and advocate for your own visibility, right? So you're like, it's an, you can be annoying about it, right? I did this for a period of time before I became a director um, at one of the places I worked. I was like, you know, hey, I spent extra time and I did this, this, and this, and these were the outcomes. And that's related to the business goals. Just want to make sure that you're aware of that. Like we're not doing invisible work. You know, mm-hmm. um, so I think that those boundaries, you really have to be clear about what can you actually provide and how is it going to move you forward? Not how is it going to fulfill the expectations on you? So for me, I made some boundaries that was like, I don't volunteer on the weekends if it's unpaid. The answer is no, I'm not available for that. My priority is my family. I do a great job in the hours that I am here and you can count on that. Right. Um, you know, I just created some boundaries for myself that I needed through, you know, early family life and children and mm-hmm. that whole part there. So, you know, I think the boundaries are basically your standard. What standard are you going to tolerate? What are you worthy of? And that's all you're doing is you're just communicating that clearly, calmly, without needing to defend it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great. So it's a lot to think about for new professionals. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think the other part of that is you have to know what you do, why you do it, who you're impacting, what are your values, and what kind of an impact do you want to have? And these are hard questions. This is not something that you answer in five minutes. This may take days, weeks, months to really hone down on who you are as, as a professional mm-hmm. within your space, within your home, within your professional space. Um, and so I think everything that you just said about how to say no and how to set up boundaries, like that takes time. So just for the listeners out there, it's not like you're going to poof and, and okay, this is, this is who I am, what I do, why I do it. This is my impact. These are my boundaries. This is so I can say, no, it all takes a little bit of time, but as a new professional, the sooner you can work that out for yourself, the better versus 10, 20 years fast forward. And you're like, I've never done any of this work. Absolutely. The sooner, the better. And it is growth, but you'll learn. I mean, I think good, good guideposts early on are anger and resentment, right? I mean, resentment is basically anger grown up, Mm -hmm. but you know, when you start to feel like you're investing your time and energy in ways that then make you angry or resentful, you've missed your body wisdom and your body has been communicating messages. You've overridden it. You've pushed through Mm -hmm. um, and you're saying yes when you should say no. And I mean, that's a skill that I think 
you know, start listening out for that, that for the younger ones. But this is why my clients are later on in their career and they've done the building I, and they're saying, Hey, how I got here is not how I'm going to now get where I want to go. I'm, I'm not willing to do this anymore. I've got success and I'm not satisfied. What am I going to do now? You know, right. or they've hit burnout and they're like, Whoa, it's not sustainable, you know? So yeah. I think, yeah, early listeners, it's a chance to prevent that. And if you're later in your career, it's still not too late. You can totally make these changes. Yes, there, there's hope out there. So <laughs> uh, there's hope. So as we begin there's... to wrap things up, what are your recommendations for listeners to improve their sustainability and their mm -hmm. life and their mm -hmm. happiness and everything that's wrapped up around it? Well, I think it's okay to say, like, if you're a high achiever and you have a lot on your plate, I want to say that's all right. I'm not one of these self-care people that's like, oh, no, you're too doing too much. You've got to have all this downtime. I think it really is learning about your own nervous system and how if you have to push more, like for me, when I had two jobs and two kids, two little kids, uh, how can you do what you need to do and also build in the practices for your physiology, you know, at the most fundamental level of hierarchies, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs here, having support and taking care of your basic needs for nutrition and sleep and all of that stuff, closing the stress cycle so that it has as minimal effect as it can. Um, I mean, that's like the first step. If you try anything else, you can go hiking, you can go to yoga, but if you don't have that first step figured out, it's, it's not going to matter. It doesn't matter. And then when you have that first step figured out, well, then we've got the other things that we can do, you know? So I don't know. I really would love to say, start with body wisdom, start listening to your own body and noticing mm -hmm. what messages it's giving you. Cause it's talking I promise. It's already talking to you. And then start to learn more about your nervous system and simple things you can do. I mean, the things I give my clients don't add to their to-do list. They're fitting in moments that are already available. And then once they start doing them, um, it's hard not to do them, right? Because you feel, you know, you feel the improvement. Um, there are some things that you can do with your schedule and how you're spending your time. Um, for that, I do have a freebie that I'm offering the listeners. It's called How to Run Your Day Without It Running You. It's very, very applicable and practical. So, you know, if that's an area where you think you could be supported, grab that. Um, but yeah, also, you know, know the difference between being able, like I can do something and I should do something like there's a phase of my life where I can identify that when someone would be, someone would be like, Oh, I really, you know, I'm having trouble with this thing and I just wish I could figure this out. And I knew that I could help them. It would be like a tingly excitement. Mm -hmm. It would be like dopamine was going off. Right. And I had to learn to identify that. And then inside rectify that in this moment, I don't have that to give. Mm -hmm. Right. So I could point them to other resources. I could support them right. on their journey. I can do it, but I shouldn't. Right. I'm going to right boo over the curve and my performance and capacity are going to go down and I'm working on building that and keeping it, you know? Right. So right. yeah, hopefully those are helpful. Oh, very, very helpful. I'm, I'm listening very intently. 
Um, but yeah, I think that's all incredibly helpful. Um, and just so the listeners know, we'll have a link to the download, how to run your day without it running you in the show notes on any platform that you may be listening on right now that is in the show notes on that platform. So it is there. One click will take you right to it. Um, well, I have to say this was great. I was, like I said, listening intently cause I'm kind of probably teetering was teetering. It was now I feel a little bit better. Uh, this week as opposed to last week, which is really great. Not that the listeners need to know. I don't know. Maybe it's TMI. Um, is it too much information? <laughs> no, it's relatable. Yeah. Right? It's real. Yeah. Because yeah. you were in the beginning when you were like, well, Karen is, has a business and a podcast. How is she doing all this? Like, she's not. Yes. yes. 46% of uh, women right now are reporting burnout as of 2022. Mm. So 46%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's more than like, I got to take a vacation. Oh, yeah, that doesn't work. You come back to the same patterns. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And they're inside us. Yeah, Yeah. you've got to make a change and you've got to know and listen to your body. And and it's so true. I'm going to be much more attuned to... to my body and to how I feel. And when I say yes, no, when something doesn't feel good and when it feels good. And, and also, you know, over the past week, I've taken a really, I always go back to my mission and my values and my impact statement. And does this opportunity that is coming to me, does this align with those things? And if it doesn't, then it's a no. Absolutely. And a a confident no. So, Mm -hmm. It's my two cents. Um, Just my two cents on that. Um, So listen, where can people find you? Well, my website is crystalfrizzy.com and all my social media handles are at Dr. Crystal Frizzy. And I hang out most on LinkedIn and Instagram. So find me there. Perfect. Um, A little more um, down to earth and behind the scenes over on TikTok, if you prefer that kind of message. So yeah, we'd love to connect with listeners. And if you have questions, um, you know, Attuned Leadership is a four-part methodology. And I've also written a book that's coming out later this year on recovering from burnout. So, you know, if you have a more specific question, please shoot it to me. I will make a video and tag you in it or message you privately and let you know that I've shared it. But I would love to help listeners take what they've learned here and, you know, push it one more step. Um, And I just want to say in regards to the body wisdom, if it's hard for you, just know that that's okay. Right. That's just affirmation of how professional we've gotten at tuning it out, like how good we've gotten staying in our head and disregarding it. If you can't hear your body's messages at all, um, then the, the strategy I would give you is to listen to your body's argument. When you're like, oh, I'm so tired. I should just take a little break. There's a little voice. Imagine like a little character on your shoulder and it says something to you. Mm-hmm. And it probably says the same thing every time. And it's from very early in life. And so the sooner you can rec- recognize it, right, that's one of the big steps to starting to be able to listen to your body is to to understand the script of like, just suck it up. You're the only one here. You got to just do it. Just mm-hmm. keep going, right? Whatever it is, whatever it's saying. Um, that could be, you know, an alternative if actually hearing the body's messages of what it's saying, you might actually be able to hear words instead. Yeah. And 
I, I know that little voice. I hear it often. And it usually is, oh, suck it up or, oh, just keep going. Mm-hmm. Again, not yeah. doing that as much anymore. What's the name of your book? It's Revive, The Working Woman's Unexpected Guide to Recovering from Burnout. Nice. The, um, the seed of everything that I've created over the past decade is the somatic attunement method. And it has four parts. And the book is taking you through a framework specifically for burnout. And then in attuned leadership, it's that framework specifically for, you know, kind of, um, you know, you have success and you're working on maintaining that while also building in more satisfaction and sustainability. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For the listeners, just know if you're thinking and saying to yourself, just push through because once I have success, then I'll be satisfied. It doesn't work like that. Nope. (laughs) Your life is too precious. So start now. No, it does not. Thank mm-hmm. you so much. Now, before we uh, leave the discussion, last question I ask everyone is what advice would you give to your 20-year-old self knowing where you are in your life and in your career? Mm, that is such a beautiful question. And I love that you ask that. And oh, there's so many things. I have a relationship with her, that 20-year-old and the 17 and 15 and probably nine-year-old too inside of me. But really, I would just want to give her permission first that she's worthy without proving anything. You absolutely have nothing to prove. Mm. Nothing. There's no three lines on a business card or initials that you need to gain as a physical therapist (laughs) to be worthy, right? It's you are there. And the other thing I would just want to really wrap my arms around her and give her a good squeeze and teach her how to listen to her body. Elevate that volume of that you know, um, her body literacy more than the pressures and expectations from outside that she puts on herself. Mm, Such great advice. I love it. I don't think we've had someone say you have nothing to prove. And I think that's great advice. Mm -hmm. Crystal, thank you so much for coming on. And everyone will have links to Crystal's podcast, all of her social media, and also to her uh, free giveaway. Thank you very much for that. How to run your day without it running you. And again, whatever podcast platform you're listening on, you can go on and click onto that and, uh, get all of the, all of the goodies that Crystal's giving you. And when, when is the book coming out? So people can expect it. Do you have a date? Um, it's going to be in the fall, in the fall, so, Perfect. Yeah, hopefully by the end of November. Yep. Perfect. All right. So we will be on the lookout for that as well. So Crystal, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thank you all the listeners. Yeah. And to all the listeners, thank you. Have a great couple of days and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to leave us your questions and comments at podcast.healthywealthysmart.com.